And this is what Paul is talking about here for us in verses 14 to 17. As always, he tries to speak order and sense into chaos and confusion. For the body does not consist of one member, but what? Of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? You see, when the whole body of believers, that's the church, that's us, when we get together and we operate outside of the giftings in God's calling, comparing, envying, operating in jealousy, if we're a square peg trying to fit ourselves into round holes, what happens? The same thing as an orchestra. The outworking of that is not the symphony which God wants to conduct in and through his people, is it? Because he's wired us a particular way. If I'm a square peg and I'm trying to drive myself into a round hole, I am not playing what the conductor of the symphony wants me to play. And thus I'm adding confusion and problems within the whole thing. Well, why does this happen? That's a question that I had to ask myself. Why do we do this? Because it's consistently been a problem within the church forever. And this seems so obvious. I was just wrestling with myself throughout this week. I mean, anybody can figure this out. I'm not going to earn my money this week walking through this whole thing, trying to teach people. Why, Why do we have such a hard time with this? Seems very obvious. Well, Paul tells us in both of his letters to the church in Ephesus and the church at Colossae, that some of the things that cause these issues, we as human beings struggle with on a regular basis, and we need to get rid of them because it fractures the unity. In Ephesians 4, he says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Why? Because that brings unity. That brings unity. He says in Colossians, the companion letter to Ephesians, but now you must put them all away. And this will sound familiar. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have, what? Put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator, being conformed to the likeness of Jesus. Why? So that we can be unified together in all of our differences. And these things here that Paul talks about in Ephesians and Colossians are the things that the enemy uses to continually keep the body, which is the church of Jesus, arguing with itself. You want to know why the church, in many respects, is a joke in this world? Because we can't get along with ourselves. So we are absolutely powerless to stand up against what this world has to offer. When the divorce rate in the church is 68% and it's actually lower in the world and we're trying to tell the world how things are supposed to work, how does that work? When 80% of pastors who stand in the pulpit deal with pornography issues, 80% at some level deal with pornography issues, how can we speak to a world about holiness? We can't. We can't. We have to put all these things off. If we can remember that we are but human beings operating under the grace of God and that it is through the strength of the Holy Spirit that we are being conformed to the likeness of his son Jesus, we can walk these things that Paul challenges us to. But the enemy wants to use these things to constantly keep us divided as a body. How do I know all of this is true? I want to ask a question. Who of you sitting here 
would try growing in your gifts, knowing full well as a broken clay pot that you are more than likely going to miss the mark. All right? How many of you knowing that would give it a go when there is always someone right there to make sure you know just where you have missed that mark? Now, I don't want to see a show of hands, but I'm going to ask you, has that ever happened to you? Think that through. You've tried your best. You know that God wants you to do something. And there's somebody right there just letting you know, you know what? You didn't do it right. Or worse, now I know we never do this. Or worse, you hear about their thoughts from another who heard it from another that sister or brother so-and-so said, you fill in the blank about you. So six people twice removed and the third cousin of the first mother told you that what you did on Sunday wasn't good because it just upset them. So don't ever try that again. You would never try, would you? That's disunity in the body. That's disunity in the body. That's people trying to be what they're not. That's other people trying to make other people what they're not. Not understanding that we're not all eyeballs. We're not all hands. We're not all feet. But we need each other in order to be a complete body. You see, you wouldn't even try. But a body has to work together in order to be healthy. Otherwise, you've got things that are out of balance. There has to be unity in the midst of it all. Our differences, if we're going to be successful. Has to be. Let me ask you something else. How emboldened do you think a young person would be? And I've had to ask myself this question as well. How emboldened do you think a young person would be to step out and into ministry, giving it their first go, if they were encouraged by those who had gone before and continue to serve and minister within the congregation? Instead of telling them everything that they miss and don't do, how encouraged instead do you think a young person would be to step out and into ministry if they were encouraged by somebody who was still active still focused and saying let's mentor one another and let's walk that road together because I see something within you that God wants to work out so I'm going to take that chance and walk that road with you being that mentor that person needs but now let me ask you this be mad if you want it's okay I live with this all week you got to put up with me for 40 minutes what if those same young people are constantly told you're doing it wrong? You need to do it better. And by better, I mean you need to do it my way and do it without mistakes. Is that an encouraging way to be? Would that be helpful? No, it wouldn't. You see, this is what Paul is dealing with here in regards to the body and all the gifts that were supposed to be working together in unity, but they weren't. They weren't. See, Paul reminds them in verse 20, as it is, there are many parts, yet what? One body. Why? Because that's the way it is with Jesus. The chief cornerstone, 
All of us are being put together, building what we know to be the church. That's the unity here, which is why he moves again to clarify even more because he understands that as human beings, we don't always get it. Not the first time, not the second time, usually not the tenth time, at least for me. But we have to walk this road. So section two, and then we're done, I promise. I'll get it done in a couple minutes, I hope. But verses 21 and 22 tell us this, that the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. So now he's challenging them. You've got to work together in unity. So you can't tell somebody, I don't need you. I can do it myself. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Or the contrary, the parts, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem weaker are what? Indispensable. I know, again, it's so basic. We all ought to get this, right? But let me tell you something. In all of my years in ministry, it is the simple. It is the mundane. It is the things that we think we've got under control that always come back to bite us. It's not the complicated stuff that we're always focusing on and fighting over. It's the simple things that drive a wedge between brothers and sisters in Christ and in families. It's never the big things. It's always the simple things. Who in their right mind would go, I can do without my right hand? Nobody. But this is where we fall all the time. It's where we fall. It trips us up. Thinking and using the statements from last week that the other is always less important than the self. That's not the case. In other words, I don't need my hand. It's not quite as important as my head. Until I need to eat dinner. Then it's a problem. We have to always be very careful because it's key here. God and his goodness and his purposes conforming us to the likeness of Jesus. Keeping us still ourselves, right? I am as much Michael as I've been the day I was born 50 something years ago. But every day I'm a little bit more like Jesus, I hope. Because he's trying to conform me to the likeness of his son. And he's knitting me together here within this body of believers. We are all gifted and designed as God sees fit, Paul tells us. So what that means, being conformed to the likeness of Jesus, as I've said, means that we are actually becoming our true selves as God has designed us to be, fixing us in the midst of a broken world. Not taking us out of this world. Listen, we're dealing with a loss tonight that screams we live in a broken world. Because of choices we make. But God in his goodness says, I'm trying to conform you to the likeness of my son. And I'm going to knit every one of you together here as a body of believers. Each one of you uniquely different. Uniquely different. And yet unified together so that the world can see who Jesus is and what it really means to follow him. That's what we have to deal with. So the closer we are to him, the more we are conformed to Jesus the more we have to be rid of the old self, clothed with the new. That's what Paul's talking about in Ephesians and Colossians. That's why he says you've got to put this stuff to death every day. So what is he saying there? That means that tomorrow I've got to be careful because tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up and I'm still going to have a temper. And I can lose it if I'm not careful. And I never lose it with myself. I always lose it with the wrong person. So i got to put it to death tomorrow, just like I have to put it to death today. When I see myself that way, I find that the other is as much an image bearer of the creator of the universe as I am. 
And it's at that moment that we start to see people the way Jesus sees them. Not the way we perceive them, which is always the mistake that I make. It's always the mistake I think that we do. And they are as necessary a part of this community of believers as I am. Absolutely essential. Absolutely foolish to think that the eye can do without the hand. If you don't believe me, I dare you, check your insurance card first. But I dare you to go out in that car when we're done here today. Fire that sucker up. Put your hands on the steering wheel. Throw it into reverse. Close your eyes and try to get out of here. And then let me know how that worked for you. If you think the eyes can do without the hand and the hand can do without the eyes. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. See, for Paul, this is absolutely essential. It's absolutely central in all of his letters. If we are going to operate in the gifts and we were blessed today with a message through tongues and interpret it. But if we are going to operate in the unity of the Spirit and in all of the gifts, we have to understand that we are all knit together. And verses 23 and 24a, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on. I leave that to you to take a look at. Um, Really what that means, if you want to do a study on the Corinthian people, you'll understand where Paul's going with here. But really, it seems to be the natural outworking of modesty and sensibility within the congregation and within a community of people in a society. I leave that with you to dig into what Greek society looked like, especially Corinth. But there you have it nonetheless. No boasting about what you have. No boasting or fretting and complaining over what you don't have. Be thankful to God with how he's wired you because he's wired you uniquely you. He's purposed you. Blossom where you are. Within the community of the Lord's congregation, blossom where you are. Don't try to be like me. You're already stuck with one of me. What has God made you to be within this community in Virgins and Addison County? Here within this community of believers and then out there when you leave this place Monday through Saturday. What has he got you to do to impact this world for Jesus? So I close, just as Paul does, with 25 and 26. And then I want to give you a quote from Fee. And then we'll pray and have one last song. But I, 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 want, to, I want you to hear this. Paul says, all of this happens that there be no division in the body. All of this happens that there be no division within the body. But that the members may have the care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. You see, that's grateful humility. That's unity. That's what that is. Now, Gordon Fee says this about this verse and about this whole package right here. He says, the diversity in the body, Paul says, is by God's design. God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. That's what Paul tells us. Fee then says that could be a, like a sound, sound like an argument for the orderly arrangement of the body, but not so, but not so. Fee says this, the emphasis that Paul is making is on the fact that each member is there by divine placement. Each member is there by divine placement. You are here, even if it is just for today, 
by God's design and by your choice. But you are here by God's design. And I find great comfort in that. I find great comfort in that. You see, the greater challenge is to ask myself and to ask you as we go further into this, what are my gifts? What are my gifts? And how am I to use them within the body? And am I seeking God for the opportunity to use them? Or am I keeping them to myself so that we have a hole in the wall that God is trying to build, which is his church within this world? Let's stand. Those who are on the prayer team could just please take their places. I really don't find this to be accidental that we land here at a time such as this. And I leave this with you as you seek the Lord and if you need prayer, there are people here who are waiting who are more than happy to pray with you for whatever your needs may be, even if it's an encouragement in what your gifts may be. But I don't find it a coincidence that in a world that is tearing itself apart, the scriptures tell us that unity is essential. That within genuine diversity, genuine diversity as God has made us, unity within that, loving the other, dealing with the other, encouraging the other, building the other up, working together for the greater good of the community. I don't find that an accident. This world needs to see the church not only on its knees praying for what it is it's supposed to do, but on its feet showing the world what it looks like when the people of God come together in unity and in love, flying over all this disaster of a mess that we have, speaking down into it and says, this is not the way we're supposed to be. God has a better way for us. And we do not need to be this way. Jesus has a better way. Father, as we just close in this last song, just a moment for us to rest before your throne. I want to encourage you, if you are in need of prayer, you just want strength and understanding of what it is God has you here for. Want to know more about who this Jesus is and what purpose he has for your life. There are folks in the back as well as in the front if you're not comfortable with coming up front. But I would encourage you again, as I always do, never leave this place without getting prayer. If your heart has been softened today and you're hearing that tug, the scripture says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. That is the Holy Spirit working on you, trying to get a hold of you. I pray that you would listen this morning. We give you thanks, Father, for everything that you give us. In Jesus' name.